Indy Lee is the founder of her namesake clean beauty brand, Indy Lee, offering a range of products grounded in nature, supported through science and inspired by life. And this is a brand that has truly set the standard in transforming skincare to improve wellness. So stay tuned for more all about this. Hi everyone and welcome to Founder Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's like to welcome our guest for today, Indy Lee. She's one of the first founders to advocate clean skincare when in 2008 she was diagnosed with a life-threatening brain tumour believed to have been caused by environmental effects. Being told she may only have a few months to live, Indy Lee made the decision to reclaim her own narrative and found a new calling, launching a curated line of clean beauty products that inspire others to prioritise the importance of living a healthy, balanced lifestyle. And I love the brand's philosophy of remaining grounded in nature, supported through science and inspired by life. And yes, that is trademarked. It truly captures the essence of Indy's story and a passion for empowerment that drives the brand. Today, clean beauty is a huge mainstream category and it's brands like Indy Lee that have educated the industry on the importance of wellness as being indispensable when it comes to considering your skincare. And it's my absolute pleasure and honor to have Indy Lee with us and I cannot wait to uncover the journey with you all. So Indy, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my goodness, thank you. And what a beautiful, warm welcome. I'm truly honored by it. And I'm so excited to dive in. I love, love speaking with other founders. And I, I love what you said. It's really not about competition. I truly believe we all rise with the tide. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we just continue to support one another? I couldn't say it better myself. And I think I really do feel a lot of founders today are really living and breathing that um, testament to themselves. I think that's one thing post-pandemic. I do feel there's been a sense of community a lot more in the beauty industry. And I think hopefully that sticks and stays and grows. Um, so that's that's the plan. But um, Indy, before we get into the whole journey, I ask the same question to all my guests. And I'm going to ask you, who in a nutshell is Indy? She's a living, breathing <laughs> being, as I like to say, a uh, spiritual being on a human journey. Um, you know what? I'm a work in process. And out me all. That's what I am. That gives us the opportunity to be wanting to grow every day and learn from others um, and be, you know, on this journey of life, um, which exactly. is very important. I don't think there's one thing that defines me. So I think it's, you know, it it depends on where you are at that moment, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, everything. everything. Okay. So let's, I always like to kind of timeline this. I think it really helps build the picture, especially for our listeners. So let's start at the very beginning, baby Indy, where were you born and raised? And do you have early memories as a child of beauty, like those first moments? Yeah, I actually do. So I was born, I'm 51. So I was born in October in 1971. And it's so funny, people always say, you're, you're willing to share your age. I'm like, yes, I'm very proud of where I am and what I look like and how I feel. 
And I think there needs to be more embracing of that. Absolutely. Um, so was born on Long Island in New York. Um, I have one sister. I, you know, my parents just in a loving household. I'm really very fortunate. I know, and I know that I know how lucky I am, blessed I am. Um, and I would say in terms of first, like visual vivid memory, it's actually of my great grandmother putting on lipstick and she would have those Limoges beautiful cases and I don't know, my, for all I know is Helena Rubinstein, I don't know, but I remember so crisply the color, which was like this corally red, probably not the best color for her, and the smell, like that just, it's just imprinted on me. And I remember her case would have this beautiful lift to a mirror on it. And so I just remember that whole presentation and that was her moment of getting glammed. And so I just, it's so funny that that's my earliest memory of beauty. But ironically, I didn't go into beauty. That's not where I started. I started in accounting. Yeah. And I didn't even start as the name Indy. Tell, tell us about all of that. I'm gonna, okay. so curious. Yeah. So actually I was born with the name Lisa. Oh. And um, I didn't change it until I got sick. Um, so up until I would say 2008, I was Lisa. I was a CPA. I worked for HBO. I managed international finance um, group in at HBO. So had a wonderful career. Um, traveled all over the world with HBO. Truly, truly blessed to have that experience. And then realized I didn't really love accounting, and I left. Um, as I like to say, recovering CPA. And I left to spend more time with my children. You know, they were young. Emily was, gosh, an infant, and Jacob's probably three or four years old. And I got very involved in the farm-to-table movement. In fact, I was helping bring school gardens to life and teaching the importance of what you're putting in your body. So much so that, honestly, gosh, I, I have a 750-square-foot greenhouse outside my window over there. Wow. I know it's covered with snow. And no, I was about to say snow, it. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, and it was really you know, growing starter plants and herbs and, um, you know, edible flowers and selling them to Whole Foods and local restaurants and all that stuff. And um, in 2008, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease, which is really a story that has what I realized started back in 2000, but this was 2008. Um, and that's when I started to realize how deep my um, autoimmune issues started to go. So I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, also known as RA, and I couldn't work in the greenhouse or the back farm. My flare-ups were just too much. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with all these flowers and calendula? And so I made products for my nephew who was about to be born because I didn't want anything potential harm, potentially harmful on his tush because I knew... Here in the U.S., there's little regulation, very different than, you know, over in the U.K. and in Europe. And, um, yeah, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this is what you should do. You should create products for, you know, babies. And it was 2008. Clean beauty wasn't on the scene. And I was like, no, I don't think so. But I truly believe the universe sends you signs. And so I got hit with a bigger sign. And in October, I started to realize I was losing my peripheral vision out of my left eye. Mm. And um, November 4th, went to my doctor and said something's going on. And he immediately sent me for an MRI. And 45 minutes after the scan came back, he called and said, you need to come in and told me basically I have a brain tumor. 
And I've always said that was the most powerful day of my life. The highlights of my life were definitely having my children. But the most powerful day was November 4th in 2008 when I realized up until that point I was a passenger in my life and not the driver. And I said, I don't know why this is happening, but something incredible is going to come out of it. I just know it. I just need to, I just need to let it evolve. And every day from here on out, I'm no longer going to be checking the boxes of what I need to accomplish. I'm going to take the control of my life and live every day with what we affectionately call the three P's, which is passion, purpose, and to be fully present. So by the time I got to the doctor, I said, what do I have? And he said, we don't know. It doesn't look like cancer, but you need to see some you know, heavy hitters. And I went and saw doctors up and down the East Coast, specialists, and they said, it's little we can do. We don't really know what this is. It doesn't look like cancer, but it could be as little as six months. So, I mean, it was an incredible eye-opener, or what I like to say, awakening, when I went to my neuroendocrinologist and I said, how is this possible? Nobody in my family has anything like this. And they said, they're seeing more and more of these things being tied to the environment. And I'm like, well, I eat organic. And that's when he asked me the question. He said, well, yes, that's the environment which you surround yourself, which you breathe. Let me ask you a question. What do you put on your skin? What does your mother put on her skin when she was pregnant with you? And gosh, that was... That was the light bulb moment. Yeah. And in that moment, I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a line that is safe and effective and beautiful. And more importantly, I want to spend the rest of my life empowering and educating others. Yeah. And um, I started a line. And it's so interesting. Obviously, happy ending. Yeah, of course. I found a doctor who's willing to do surgery. He said, we're going to do it on Earth Day. You have less than a 50% chance of waking up. And I said, well, if there's a day that I'm going to wake up to the rest of my life, a rebirth, April 22nd, Earth Day is probably a good day. Wow. And I walked into a surgical suite and went to, you know, and basically was out for many, many hours. And when I woke up, I was able to see completely. And the doctor said, we got everything. Welcome to the rest of your life. And I haven't stopped. Uh. And that's why this is, I'm so passionate about this. And I'm never about fear mongering. Mm. Listen, I love conventional beauty too. I'm not one thing or another. And, you know, we talk about balance. I'm an 80-20 you know, I think that whatever brings you joy, as long as you know and you make the choice, then that's your decision. You know, who am I to send judge and jury? But so how did I become Mindy Lee? Um, yeah. When I was kind of um, going through this whole journey of, oh, my gosh, you know, I need to find a doctor who's willing to do surgery. How is this? You know, how could I be dying? I have a very large family. And so I decided to blog under the name Indy Lee, which stood for the name Independent Lisa, so that my family could follow the journey because I didn't want to be on the phone with them every night. I wanted to be with my then five and eight-year-old. Like, I was dying. I wanted to spend time with them. I didn't want to spend hours on the phone with, you know, I have 32 first cousins. Like, I didn't want to. I was like, okay, I need to spend time with you guys. And it kind of, when people, you know, I started under the botanical collection, then we changed the name again. And then, um, people like, but this is your story, but your name isn't really like something that speaks to it. And I said, well, I own the URL in D Lee. And they're like, congratulations. That's you. It's like really your, who you are. So I would say up until 37, I was Lisa, right. Kind of figuring out who she was. And from 37 forward, 
I've been Indie Lee. Wow. Like rebirth is Indie Lee. And, and it's, it's, inc- it's incredible that it still has that connection tie that I, I, you know, now knowing the name, I'm like, okay, independent Lisa. I, I never knew about that. But do, do you still, sometimes do, do people still call you by Lisa or do you like, we're now adamant saying even family? Like, um, You know, it's interesting. I have, most people now call me Indie. And it's legal. I'm legally indie. Yeah. Like everything's changed. Legally. It, I, yeah. Social exactly. security number, the whole thing. My parents actually call me indie every once in a while. And my sister calls me indie. Yeah. I would say some people from high school um, still call me Lisa. And I, you know, I'm not offended by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people who spend time with me on a daily basis, even those really good friends who spend time with me on a regular basis when I was Lisa, everybody calls me indie. And like when you don't, it's sort of like. Indie. I love that. I changed the name. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's like legally. Yeah. yeah. Like, now. And I don't actually hear it now. When people call me Lisa, I don't turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Well, also, you know, you have your brand and your name so it's kind of like you hear indie in all yes. forms of life now so it's kind of like it's who I am now it's beautiful the independent spirit taking control of their life everything is so beautiful about that story like I know there's been a lot of realities of uh, hardship and I know it's not easy to always talk about but I think the way you, you you really talk about it brings a lot of hope to people that might be going through something similar and very inspiring to know look at where you are in your mindset and also you know there are the reality is there are decisions we have to make in these moments that will forever change for the better. Uh, because I can tell you now when you're talking about that, I never thought about really the invite, you know, you always think about the first instances of health, right? Like what you eat. Then you think about maybe your environmental around you, like your stress. You barely think about products. I know it's important that you heard this word clean and green and this, but, but you never really think about, wait, could that actually be harmful um, to a lot of different factors? Never. I was a lotions and potions junkie. I mean, I never thought about it. And it's so interesting because I did think about what I was putting on, you know, when my sister said she was pregnant. Mm. Because by that time, I'd done enough research because I was so involved with what you're putting in your body. Exactly. That I knew enough about the effects. And it was just like, I didn't think about it with my own children. You know? Um, yeah. So it's it's fascinating to see, and, and we're realizing more and more what the environment really is, and that it isn't just one thing. You know, energe- We can talk energetically. We can talk. You know, <laughs> air. It goes to it goes to your definition of who you are. It's not one thing, right? I think that's the most important thing, and I think it's that holistic th- uh, way of life is is crucial. And I think that's where products and topical products that you put on your skin and on your hair. And, those are a factor to consider, right? As one of the many factors to also consider. Um, and having, I think consumers today, you know, they don't want to worry about that stuff. They're investing, they're putting in their risk and time for their money into a product. So you need to make sure you're giving them the efficacy, which is why I do think there is a lot of education needed, but you want to just garner that trust. So then you, they know any future product from Indie Lee, I know will be made with X exactly. amount of thought process, efficacy, safety etc especially when you think about kids and pregnancy I think that's like really important as well because um I didn't even think about that like that question was so powerful when it said not just what what did you put on your skin but what did your parent put exactly it's sort of I was you should have seen my face and I was like wait what (laughs) I was like is that could that be a thing yeah I mean yeah it makes sense it makes I know and you know and I think that's so difficult also because the word clean is thrown and bantered around and it's hard you know it's hard for clean beauty brands because it's like do you even want to put clean in there anymore because there's this whole 
issue where people are like greenwashing and clean is just a buzzword. And if you look at clean at Sephora recently, like, you know, it, it's hard, but in a way it is an important word, right? It does encapsulate quite a lot of things, but it's not the only word. I think that's the same thing we're going back to, right? There's, this is one word and some consumers gravitate to this word. Some don't. That's okay. We have other words. Absolutely. Also, you, know. you have to make the decisions that's right for your lifestyle and your belief system. If you're somebody who's looking into clean, okay, then you have to do a little bit more digging because it, you can't just make any assumptions, right? But you should never assume anyway. We know this the saying about assume. Yeah. So I always say let the let the inky list do the talking. Get to know the brands. Yeah. Get to know where they're sold. Um, you know, do they have certifications? We have, you know, we're committed to getting as many of our products Cosmo certified, which is under Soil Association EcoCert. That's the global umbrella. So they do a lot of, when you see something with that seal, that's like, for me, that's the gold standard because you know, everything from the farm to the face has been really audited and you know that this has been overseen by leaders, leaders in biodiversity and sustainability. So I always say, okay, yeah. I understand where your concern is here. Take a look at this standard and this is what we formulate to. Exactly. It's so important. Well, I want to now go into product and brand. So Tell us about the very beginning stages. So just that first ideation of, okay, I've got this brand name Indili. I know what kind of packaging vibe I want, what maybe my initial products. Like, just tell us about that mindset back in, was it 2010? It was 20, actually I started formulating in 2008. Like when I... 2008, a bit earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, before I even had surgery. In fact, I turned on my website in 2009. Mm, amazing. Uh, just probably eight weeks, no six weeks after surgery, because I had products ready to go. Yeah. Now, when I launched, I, I said I wanted to be eco-chic. I want to be very clear. I was eco-eco. I did not look chic at all. Um, you know, the first iterations, I, I, goodness gracious, I look back and I go, oof. <laughs> but again. The journey. <laughs> it is. It, it certainly is. Yeah. But that's what happens when you are doing it kind of yourself, right? I mean, I was sitting down and learning Photoshop and Illustrator to make like the botanical collection. Yeah. And I didn't have money to put into bespoke packaging. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and don't forget you, the time then, there wasn't as many freelancers, graphic designers. There was no Fiverr. And there, there was, and, there, and, there, and there wasn't any like a benchmarks really in your lane because you were one of the first advocating it. Like it, it, for me, it was, it must have been yes. quite lonely in my mind, right? At the beginning. Yes, yeah. for sure. For sure. I look back at some of the packaging for the botanical collection, which is what it was originally named. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that really... While I was proud, proud of myself and it was pretty, I was like, oh my gosh. But that's what happens when you are a new founder and you're not heavily funded. I mean, this was me selling jewelry. And when I started, it was like emptying my 401k and going into debt and all those mm. things. And I was using stock packaging that I could get from like SKS and things like that, bottles. And, you know, it was really mixing lotions and potions in my house. Um, mm. because I didn't, you know, who knew I, you know, I had, I think ignorance was bliss for me because I really had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I just knew that this is what I need to do. I knew I needed to be a voice because people just didn't know. And I was doing a lot of speaking even for like, um, when babies are born, sometimes they store their cord, you know, the cord blood, the cord cell. So I was speaking yeah. about that because actually my nephew and I were a match. 
And so I would talk a lot about, you know, what you're putting on a baby and all these things. And, you know, it's so interesting when you start out, it's sort of like one thing after another. So when I wanted, it was like, okay, let me just start with a couple of products and let's see how I can advocate and make some news. There wasn't, you know, you didn't have digital advertising like you have now. I mean, I don't know. Was Instagram yeah. just starting like back then, 2008? Yeah, I didn't even. I mean, yeah. it's insane. But the first product that I did were the baby products. And then I, um, which was like a calendula bomb for the, my nephew's tush. And I was steeping calendula and jojoba that I grew in my backyard. And I made him a baby powder because I didn't want talc on his tush. And so I made it out of arrowroot and lavender that I was growing. And then the first product I made for adults was actually our coconut citrus scrub, which is in the line to this day. So it was things that I can make at home. I wasn't using these advanced technology that I can now have access yeah. to because it was like mixing like this. <laughs> That's so crazy. It's insane. So like cool. I was making bath salts and we <laughs> So but th- did you did you like at that time, so where your first retail touch point was your DTC, yes. right? That and was then it was I got into a co-op. Oh. in Westchester called the Beehive. And basically it was a n- number of local artisans and we all worked there in order to have, be able to have a retail presence. So that's how it worked. In order to have your stuff on the shelf, you need to put a certain amount of hours and work at the store, which was wonderful for me because I, I'm an accountant. I had no retail experience. So it was really interesting learning how to sell other people's products as well as your own. Yeah, I can imagine. And get a lot of like insights. Um, so, so, so then to tell us about then... The next couple of years, your, your current lineup, like kind of how it built out today and then where you're distributed. So I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Sure. You know, then, um, you know, we started to grow. Um, there are about three or four of us who are involved and we start to get more boutiques. I would say boutiques really helped. You know what I mean? Like that's how you, you call up because we didn't have a sales team. We didn't. Like, and then what, what I what we realized very quickly is that. I couldn't manufacture this, right? I wanted this to be tested. I wanted stability testing, microbial testing, all those things done. So I was very lucky to be introduced to a contract manufacturer who would make the products that I was had been creating, as well as how do we take it to the next level. In fact, I still work with that manufacturer to this day. And it's like a family member at this point. Um, and so we just kind of grew in terms of what, what am I seeing? What are we seeing that consumers are asking for you know we did a lot of the you know the bazaars and the fairs and you know kind of those type of things where we take our wares and go to the christmas holiday fair at the, you know the local church or flea market or things like that and really listen to what people are asking for and their concerns and then products were really developed to kind of address those concerns that you were hearing more and more people were looking for in the clean space or what was what was I looking for that I couldn't find that was clean, which was really couldn't find much. Um, in fact, one of our best sellers to this day, which is their squalene facial oil, one ingredient derived from olives. And it was because I was doing research on what kind of moisturizer should I use for my skin. And I realized that squalene, the unhydrogenated version, is it's part of your skin sebum. Well, you can get it from olives, too sustainably sourced olives well why wouldn't we use that as our moisturizer since your body already knows it and that's kind of how that one skew came about and now i'm so proud because now we you know it's cosmo certified you know it's the highest purest you know version of squalling that you can get but it's that's really how it evolved 
That's so exciting. And then, so t- today, in terms of your commitments, because I think that's a really important thing to, to talk about and your ingredients. Uh, so currently, where is all your production made and your kind of sourcing of ingredients? The Is it certain areas around the world? Like, how is that all done? No, you know, um, first of all, the products are made in the U.S. and I believe France. Yep. So, you know, we've got, yes. Yeah, so we've got a couple different manufacturers based upon what they're best in class for. Important for us is that they're also yep. Cosmo certified, right? So that the manufacturing process, because you can have things manufactured, but if they're using harmful chemicals that are then leaching into the, you know, water system, again, that's not where we're trying to do. So you have to think about stewardship of the earth. And Cosmos really does take a look at all those steps. So it's it, that also goes to the ingredient because it's where can we get ingredients that are Cosmo certified to. Now, not all of our products are, but that's kind of how we look at it now, um, unless it's going to impact efficacy on a product. But it, we always look to source it where it is optimally grown. So, for example, and we don't have this in our products, but take tea tree, right? That really grows best in New Zealand, I'm not going to grow it here in New York optimally. <laughs> so let's source it where it's grown best because then you get its most potent form. So for us, it's making sure that it's sustainably farmed, right? Let's not do harm. Um, and then making sure that it is the purest and grown where it, you know, optimally. That's very, very important. And then, and then obviously you have your, so just, just to go a bit deeper, deeper into Cosmo certified, because I think quite a few might be new to this. I'm passionate about it. So go for it. Please tell everyone a bit more about Cosmos. Yeah. So Cosmos is, it's really like a certification from farm to face. So every step along the process, right, is overseen, like I said, by leaders in biodiversity and sustainability. So everything from the farm and how the plant, right, is grown, the agricultural process through to the, um, how it is harvested, to the distillation, right? How it's being distilled, how it's being extracted, to the manufacturing, right? Like I said, how the vats are being cleaned, to the componentry that we use, to what are our commitments, and we're as a brand. So every step on that process is audited annually. It is so detailed. It is such a costly Um, certification and it goes to the EU level right because we know that they have some of the highest standards and so it really for me I believe it to be the gold standard because every process has to be audited and so you know every step and it's also evolving which means that as new information comes about that says maybe this isn't the best way to grow it or maybe this isn't you know as sustainably sourced etc we are committed to evolve with it, even if that means we need to go back to the drawing board on a formulation. That's amazing. And, and is it something that many, like, uh, do you find that it's been often, people, a lot of brands today are, are exploring this whole Cosmo certification? Because you have B Corp certification, which is a very different thing, and it's a different entity, right? Um, but I, I rarely see brands talk about Cosmo certification. No, they don't. Uh, which is quite interesting. Because they think yeah. it's such an expensive yeah. process and time. I mean, the amount oh, of yeah. record keeping that needs to yeah. be done for every stage of the process that I just discussed, you know, the onus is on every one of those pieces. And so, again, it's very costly in terms of labor intensive as well as financial. Um, and then, like I said, the continual annual audits that need to be done. So I, I think that it, I'm hoping that it's something that, We'll see more and more brands adopt, but I don't know just yet. 
Um, I certainly see a little bit more of it in Europe than I do here in the U.S. And then the other certification is Leaping Bunny Cruelty Free. So I've been a part of that since I think 2011, probably when I knew it was around. And that just goes to say that no piece, no product or no ingredient has or will be tested on um, animals. So very different than when people just say cruelty free. I didn't, I never knew that that just means that the end product. Yeah. So, so everybody yeah. takes every, and again, we're audited for that on a regular basis as well. So distribution, where are you currently distributed globally around the world? Where can people find you? Sure. We're in um, 22 countries, over 2,000 doors. I'm very proud of that. Wow. In the U.S., it is Ulta, Blue Mercury. We are in, oh gosh, I don't know how many boutiques we are in. The specialty clean retailers like the Credos and the Leas and the Detox Markets and the Citrines of the World. Then overseas, we're in um, Sephora APAC, right? So you can find us in Sephora. We're in Oh My Cream in France, and now, which is now in the U.K. Oh, yeah. We also have IndieLeague.UK. Yep. So you really can find us pretty much anywhere anywhere in the world which is like unbelievable to me it's so exciting it's so crazy well it's you know what it's crazy but not because your products are phenomenal like for me i understand it you give it to any buyer they'll be like give me now i want it but they probably will want exclusivity (laughs) like no no, no, no." like oh we're in nordstrom's like nordstrom invited out like these these retailers came to us which is so special and i know i think at least for me, because I don't come from this, I don't take that for granted. I understand how expensive shelf space is. And the fact that these brands embraced us early on really just, I think, is really beautiful and speaks a lot about the retailers who are trying to make the some changes and give different product offerings to their clients, which I think is also beautiful. Definitely. Never. And future I mean, do you guys, do you have plans of like more products? I mean, yes. What's on the pipeline that you can share? Not necessarily. Yeah, no, I think you'll see us entering different verticals. Amazing. Intuitively adjacent verticals is something that's very big. Something that's very important to me is um, raising awareness for autoimmune issues. So I am, like I said, I am an autoimmune thriver, as I like to say, I'm on the board for the autoimmune association. I have over four autoimmune diseases, my brain tumors too. Um, first one that I removed currently live with one. Um, you know, this is something that I deal with on a regular basis. I have flares on a regular basis and really bringing awareness to one of the leading disease categories. In fact, it's exceeded in terms of growth, um, cancer and heart disease. So that's another big thing is bringing advocacy to people. And again, never from a scary place. I don't believe fear mongering has any place in beauty. It's hope and inspiring. Yeah. But you said you said bring this to what are some of the best ways and, and you know where can people then eventually see those areas? Is it via social? Is it like what's yes. the top Right now a lot of we're doing um social awareness to it, but also when I speak at events, I always kind of touch on it because Two-thirds of autoimmune diseases are environmentally drive, and over 50 million Americans have it, and 75% of them are, the, are women. So it's really it speaks to the demographic of the brand, too. So, again, just bringing that awareness um, to the masses. So you'll see on that, certainly on our website, in email communications, eventing, etc. So that's kind of how we're bringing that to life. Oh, it's so exciting. And who knows, maybe some products. I mean, a couple of our products I can't live without. Let me tell you, 
when I have a flare up, I reach for the I Recover Mind and Body Gel. That is like my holy grail. Like that is one of those things that I have to have. Or the daily vitamin infusion or the squalene when my skin is just, you know, not happy with me. Um, during a flare, I grab those. Uh, it's a, and do you find like, uh, do you have like on your website, um, or like, yeah, I, saw, I think you have a very clear like um, way to look at skin uh-huh. concerns. Do you find like a lot of people often don't know what they need? Because there's quite a lot of overwhelmment, right, of skincare products in the market. And, you know, one part of the solution is obviously kind of evaluating and consulting your skin uh-huh. type. You know, do you have what type of things do you need for what type of concerns, combination, oily, sensitive, dry, what kind of stuff. But at the same time, then what products to go to? Like, how have you found some of the best ways to help people find what they need most? No, that's a great question. And, it, and it's certainly something that I think a lot of brands struggle with in a self-selection environment, yeah. right? So that's why we did break things down by concerns. Like if you have sensitive skin, more re- which is more reactive, if you have more blemish prone, if your skin is just normal combination, are you seeking radiance? Let's think of people who are, I'm very pro-aging. I, I hate the anti, I'm very pro-aging. Me too, oh my God, yeah. It's like if you're not aging, you're dead. And so I'm very big on aging. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. It kind of reminds me of the fact that, you know, when you said like you were so proud and, and and rightly so like just to mention your age you often see uh there's two things when you're really young you don't want to say how young you are because you feel like that's going to be considered like oh you're not you know good enough especially in the in the career in the western in, in the yep. in the corporate career world you know if you're 22 and you say you're a manager people are like hmm something's wrong there uh, and unfortunately when you're slightly older people then want to make their age younger but if anything like I look at it like you know for someone to say they're 50 60 I'm like wow they've had such healthy years like you know I I that's so inspiring if anything and two it's like you age really for me is this really construed misconception of boxing like people think at this certain age you can do certain things whereas people forget like you can be 15 years old and have uh, a multi-million dollar company and I believe it you could I agree it can exist you can be 17 80 and start your own business you know it doesn't there's no rule book when it comes to it so it gets me a bit annoyed it's yeah construction you know or construct it is it it really has no basis in reality like who says you can't do something i started this career when Especially i was today. 37 years old you know and not knowing know. this and who knows where my life is going to take me next right but i yeah. i don't look at it like that because i think i have the perspective of knowing my time could have been so limited that i appreciate yeah. every moment and i think there's such a misconception of like what time really is because let's face it all we have really have is this moment so i can't dwell on the past and I can't focus on the future because then I'll miss the moment. And that is precious to me. So it's interesting. That's why we've actually this campaign called the fountain of you. Like to get rid of this fountain of you. Like, Oh, it's so good. You inspire, you embracing. I think it it does come to accountability of naming. I think a lot of brands, I would really call out a lot of brands today who've captured this name of like youth, you know, certain words that are often contradicted, right? Like, like get youth or feel, you know, that I think that we need to audit and change some of these words because they make an impact, right? And they change perception of, especially the younger generation, when they start aging and get older, they, you know, it shouldn't be anti 
No, nothing anti about it. Uh, it should be pro. It's like these, really ridiculous. Exactly. Sometimes. Look at the experience that we bring, yeah. right? So I think, yeah. I really think that we have to get our way from that and really take a look at uh, individualistically. So that's also why when it comes to products, we have a quiz on ours. So answer some quiz so we can find out and help guide you through it. So we implemented the skincare quiz to help people. We also have a customer service chat so that someone can actually talk to somebody else and get information. Our social channels are always on and listening and helping people. And I get right in there and I'm happy to answer yeah. questions and get involved. And people know they can DM me personally. Like I have my own personal Instagram get, or, and TikTok. Like, go ahead, ask me a question. If you don't want to ask a question on you know, where our community manager is, ask me. Absolutely. Go ahead. Personally, I'm happy to help. If I don't know the answer, I'll say, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim yeah. to be. But let me see if I can find the information yeah. or point you to the right place. And I think that's knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and always being honest and authentic about it. So important. I love that. Well, thanks for sharing yeah. that. It's important to hear everyone to hear. Um, well, before we go into fire round questions, I have a desert island situation for you. So being very mean, imagine I'm inviting you to this island, but I'm being strict and saying you can only bring one product with you. So what is your go-to Indie Lee product? Oh my gosh. Well, first, if it's an island, I probably would say my SPF. <laughs> okay. So like, let's just think of it on this, the, the taking care of my skin and my health thing. But if I had a yeah. one, yeah. I really do love the Eye Recover Mind and Body Gel. I would say that or the Squalene Facial Amazing. Oil or maybe DVI, Daily Vitamin Infusion, because it has the ceramide. So I got to think about barrier. <laughs> That's true. I mean, so what's your final answer? Oh, God, oh, gosh. It's a lot of pressure. Okay, I'm going to say I okay. recover mind and body gel. Done. Okay, that you can bring with you. I love it. <laughs> so good. Um, okay, so now fire round question. This is first thing that comes to your mind. So the first question is, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving right now? Oh, my gosh. That's a hard one to say. I don't, I'm like trying to think. Like, yeah. There's like so many. Like, yeah. I know. Okay, I love Jenny Patinkin. Absolutely love her tool. Yeah. She has beautiful, beautiful tools. Good one. That's a great one. I'm, I'm, that one, I like I like when I hear new brands as well. Her cryo glow. Yeah, the cryo. Are heaven sent. Oh, amazing. Oh, I yes. like that one. Amazing. Cool. My next question is, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that you keep close to your heart? Yeah, I do. Um, one of them is, yeah. you are worthy. Yep. That is one that I tell myself every day. Um, I'm worthy. You're worthy. I love that. And my last question is, if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what would you be doing right now? I'd like to think that I would be a public speaker in thought leadership and mindfulness. That's so cool. Do, do you think that, that you're, you're already doing that? So for me, it's like, <laughs> it's a- Oh, perfect. I really wasn't prepared for those. Uh, um, <laughs> I was like- I know, I know. I kind of, I kind of keep everyone on their toe. I know, I know. Well, no, Indy, it's been such a pleasure and honor speaking to you. Your story is so inspiring and what you're doing for this beauty industry, I think, is truly important, especially now more than ever. So thank you for everything. Um, where can everyone continue to follow you and the brand? Sure. The brand is Indy underscore Lee on Instagram and Indy.Lee yep. on TikTok. And then me personally, which I, like I said, I'm always in there. Um, I love to connect with other consumers and founders and everything is just, Instagram is Indie Lee, one word, I-N-D-I-E-L-E-E. -E. 
And on TikTok, which I'm not as active on, uh, is The Indie Lee. The Indie Lee. Amazing. Well, I'll put all the links in the summary so people can just go tap straight away as well as your website. So um, that's easy for everyone to check. But thank you so much. And can't wait to see you soon in person. I'll come when it's a bit less snowy. Less snowy. <laughs> but I can't wait to meet in person. And just thank you for making this time and space. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Founded Beauty as much as I had making it. And if you did, please share it with a friend who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.